The time has come to talk about the movie I've dreaded since our very first episode as we dissect my favorite movie and run it through the meat grinder of Hollywood Reboot Madness. Welcome everyone to Rebooted! The podcast where we are still recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. I love this movie. I love this movie. It's my favorite movie ever. And I was just telling you that I really tried not to be precious with it and I end up being very precious with it. The problem is that this movie is completely ripe for remaking because it's so popular and so iconic and hasn't been touched. And so naturally, it exists in a place where we should do it. We just haven't. This is it. This is the answer. It says here that a bolt of lightning is going to strike the clock tower at precisely 10.04 p.m. next Saturday night. If we could somehow harness this lightning channel it into the flux capacitor it just might work next saturday night we're sending you back to the future in December 2007, Back to the Future was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the National Film Registry as being, quote, culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. Um, obviously, it's it's been part of our pop culture since its release in 1985, uh, just like I have. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> since your release into uh, the world. Yeah. And most currently, like, it's inspired the hit te television show Rick and Morty. Great show, terrible fan base. Um, but yeah, I, we're going to talk about Back to the Future. I, it, it, I'm like spinning right <laughs> Are you now. okay? No, I'm not. I don't want to do <laughs> I'm scared because I might say some controversial things. No, no, it's fine. I, like <laughs> The thing is, is like, well, this is all fantasy. Like, I think I would be more turned to like, we read news that it was like, you know, Zemeckis has died and... Uh, Fox is it Fox who made this movie? I remember, but like, um, they're like, we're gonna remake it. Yeah, we're gonna, like we're gonna fucking churn out the fucking corpse of this magical thing. That I would be, I would be now. To, this is just all fun and games. Um, <laughs> this is what you're telling yourself, right? To make it through, to make it through this uh, this podcast. And if you're just joining us, guys, welcome to Rebooted. I'm Brian Flynn. With me, as always, is my co-host Kenneth Trent where we take a classic Hollywood film and talk about it as if it was to be remade today by taking certain members of that cast and recasting them with actors that we know and love in 2020. Um, this week we're going to do we're going to do the classic 5. Marty, Doc, Lorraine, George and Biff. So it's going to be quite a ride. It's going to be great. <clears throat> Before we do that, we got some actual reboot news to get to. Turner and Hooch TV series in the works at Disney Plus from Matt Nix. I don't know how many of our listeners are aware that um, beloved American actor Tom Hanks, two-time Academy Award winner, a recent recipient of a Golden Globe Lifetime Achievement Award, Tom Hanks, did a movie with a big old dog called Turner and Hooch. Yeah. Where Tom Hanks was a cop and the dog was also a cop. And they <laughs> <laughs> All right, these are the simple rules. No barking, no growling, no slobbering, no chewing. You will wear a fleet collar. This is not your room. No begging for food, no sniffing of crotches, and you will not drink from my toilet. This is not your room. And they, uh, they're getting it, the movie's getting a TV series treatment for Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. Um... It's being made by, or it's being, the series is being adapted by Burn Notice creator Matt Nix and 20th Century Fox TV, where Nix is at an overall deal. Um, according to Deadline, details about this show are scarce, but is believed to be keeping the premise of the original movie uh, revolving around Tom Hanks as a police detective and his dog. Um, who is also a detective. Who's also a detective. I, I don't know. I, I'm. What, what do how, we do with this? How much? How much more of this can we take? Like, there are so many outlets coming out that are like Disney Plus, where they have the opportunity to take these old properties and make them something new again, instead of just putting the old movie on the platform and letting that live there forever. And sure. It's going to happen so much. 
We'll see how it goes. I mean, can, I mean, Disney Plus is definitely going to survive, but like, can it really survive? Can it really compete with Netflix if it's just going to like take everything it owns and make it and try and like push it out as a new and fun thing? Even though we all know it's not, it's old. It's old fish. And I think people would be ha- people are fine with Disney Plus with ju- just having the Disney and Fox collections exist in one place like for them to be churning out new content i'm not sure it's necessary for the success of the platform like people are diehard disney fans who like having the whole catalog at their fingertips that's why i have it like i'm not trying to watch their new stuff except for the mandalorian because holy shnikes (laughs) if you have not been watching the mandalorian I don't know what's wrong with you because Baby Yoda is truly the most incredible thing to happen to television since. It's the reason to get the platform. It really, it's like, it's the only, I don't think I watched another show but Mandalorian. Oh. I mean, I rewatched some of the Star Wars movies because of Mandalorian, but like, right. like even Marvel, like I didn't. Maybe once the Marvel shows start coming out, yeah, maybe that will help sort this this old nerd to like go back but and that's the, that's the versatility of it is they own so much stuff that it's like I wanted Disney Plus because I wanted old Disney Channel original movies and series and will keep myself happy watching old episodes of Even Stevens and Lizzie McGuire until I die <laughs> but like for other people it's like great now I have like all the Star Wars content I could want all the Marvel content I could want all the Pixar stuff yeah like it's so versatile like do we need to pull out stuff like Turner and Hooch to like I don't think so. I think there's a big thumbs down from both of us here. Like, we're just sort of like, yeah. There's just, we just see, we get exhausted from it. We see so much of it. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Let's move on. Um, FX bringing Stephen King's Carrie back to life with a limited series. There have been, to date, three adaptations of Stephen King's Carrie with Sissy Spacek in one, Angela Bettis in another, and Chloe Grace Moretz in the most recent one, playing all playing the title character at some point. Uh, Collider is now reporting that another adaptation is now in the works from FX and MGM. Though it is still very early in the development process and there's no script yet, sources say that this time around, telekinetic teen Carrie White will likely be played by either a trans performer or an actress of color rather than a cis white woman. How do we feel? Um, I am enjoying the revival of a lot of Stephen King's material. Mm-hmm. I have not dived into Castle Rock season two yet, but I oh I've crap, I haven't this. either. I kind of um, keep forgetting the about it. Movies, great. According to you, Doctor Sleep, great. So good. Um, I think. I'm on, I'm on board with this. Um, the casting news, I couldn't care less. I, I I whatever choices they make, I I just I just I'm I'm always going to be in for Stephen King stuff. I'll definitely check it out. I again, I just don't love the idea that we just had an adaptation of it. There just hasn't been a ton of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chloe Grace Moretz could still play Carrie. Like, we haven't even grown out of that stage of her life yet. I am intrigued by the idea of a trans actor playing her. I think specifically because the plight of Carrie is that she is, as this article describes her, shy, friendless. She's an awkward teenager, sheltered by her domineering mother, I love the idea of really throwing that curveball into the story. Again, I just don't know if, like, we need another Carrie. Why didn't you tell me, Mama? Oh Mama, please. It, it hurts. And the curse was a curse of blood. I'm not going to say that. That's not even in the Bible. It doesn't oh, say that Lord. anywhere. Help this little girl see the sin of her days and ways. Show her she'd made innocent. The curse of blood would not have come upon her as it did upon Eve. I'm not Eve, Mama. I didn't sin. You showered with those other girls. You had lust-filled thoughts. Everyone has to shower, Mama. Everyone. No, That's no, just the different. rules. You must be different because he can I see I don't want to be different, Mama. I want to be like them. I want to be just on like you, them. And he will punish you. <gasps> but yeah. if, if they decide to uh, go a different direction, it could be compelling enough to be like, hey, here's the story you've been told three times. 
But here is a limited series with something entirely different going on. Yeah, it kind of gives me like, it kind of reminds me of like when Sherlock's TV show came with Benedict Cumberbatch of mm-hmm. being like, yeah, like it's Sherlock, but he's also like. He's weird. He's not, he's kind <laughs> of autistic. He's essentially autistic, but it's like. Yes. Um, I kind of like that stuff. I kind of like seeing people. I mean, that's why I do this podcast. I like seeing talking about different versions of like what this movie could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think there's way more Stephen King stuff that hasn't been tu- hasn't been touched. Like, yeah. please adapt Eyes of the Dragon. Someone please adapt redo Dead Zone. Someone please save the Dark Tower from Idris DJ Idris Elba. <gasps> How dare you? <laughs> I just think that like. In the world, like Castle, that's why I think I gravitated towards Castle Rock. That it's like it's new. There's also a new HBO Stephen King show. Oh yeah, The out. Outsider. The Outsider, which I'm 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 definitely interested in seeing. You know, like that is there, true. There's just so much Stephen King that I don't want to just I don't want to keep doing like The Shining or yeah. Carrie or. I mean, we just got it, so that's safely going to be on pause for another three years. Um, <laughs> But I agree. I think that is to to have the kind of catalog that he has and to have something like Castle Rock that's really just an amalgamation of stories. Yeah. Um sort of in a way with no rules. It's it it seems really interesting to be like and we're going to do this. Like eh. Yeah. You're right. Like maybe we leave Carrie alone for another 15 years and we just like there's so much else going on from yeah. him. Why? So I, I just said I didn't watch Castle Rock season two, but we know that it's it involves Annie Wilkes from Misery. Misery. And I think that's more interesting of being like, hey, we're going to bring back this character and have them run through this world. Mm-hmm. I find that to be way more like energizing than just redoing a story beat by beat. Yeah. Um, so I think we're in agreement. Now that said, shall we redo this movie beat by beat? Yep. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. It's right. going to be fun. This isn't going to happen, right? right? We've got confirmation that they're not. Famously, Robert Zemeckis, the director, and Bob Gale, who I don't know if he's still around, but they both famously were like, we will never redo this movie as long as we're alive. So, currently, I think at least Robert Zemeckis is still kicking it. So, so we're good. But I wonder I just, if I sense the vultures swirling. You know, like they're waiting. A real like baller move would be if they like bequeath the rights to someone who they've made an agreement with. Like not instead of just like letting it return to like their estate where their family can make a buck yeah. off of it. If they were just like, no, we want to give it to someone. Like a proxy who will always veto anything. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. Fun. Food. Fun. So much fun. So much fun. That'd be fun. Well, let's uh, go against their wishes and reboot this movie. Ready to talk about it? <laughs> yep. All right, guys. This is our reboot. I can't say it. This is our reboot of Back to the Future. You're my mom. You're my mom. My name is Lorraine. Lorraine Bates? Yeah. But you're... Uh... You're so, uh, you're so thin. Just relax, Calvin. You've got a big bruise on your head. Ah, where are my pants? Over there, on my hope chest. I've never seen purple underwear before, Calvin. Calvin, why, why do you keep calling me Calvin? Well, that is your name, isn't it? Calvin Klein? It's written all over your underwear. Ah. Oh, I guess they call you Cal. No, actually, people call me Marty. What's weird about this scene is, which I'm going to talk a lot about how (laughs) I don't think this thing of where his mom is in love with him needs to happen. But what's funny about this scene is that he is uncomfortable with her. her. She should be more uncomfortable with him than he is with her. Because he... She is his mother. But to like her, she's like, she's like, here's this cute kid. But I don't understand why he's all like nervous unless he's like, mom is hot. (laughs) And I don't like that. 
Um, how do I how do I justify this? I I would say so. Like when you first meet the McFlies mm-hmm. in the original timeline of the '80s, George is like a loser. Lorraine is like an alcoholic, but she puts on this face of like, like when the sister is like, how am I ever going to like meet a boy? And the mom is like, I would never do that. Like I would never call a boy boy or hang out in a parked car with a boy. And then you get to 1955 and you realize that Lorraine was sort of this like wild child. And like she was someone that just probably wanted to experience sex, which Mm -hmm. made me think rewatching it this time because Marty saves his dad from getting hit by Lorraine's father's car and ultimately takes his place in her affection. Mm-hmm. In the original timeline, she wakes up George McFly and probably does this? Or is it because Michael J. Fox is just so much hotter than Crispin Glover that she's like, ooh, like a like hot boy, a cute boy's in my room? and like. But like, how else would this... I think what you're essentially saying is she would have had the hots for anyone who her dad would have hit. She would have been excited to have a boy in her bedroom. But that's what the movie postulates because, like, when they go to the school to, like, fix, to, like, set them on a romantic course, mm-hmm. Doc is like, it's the Florence Nightingale effect. She's right. just fallen in love with someone she can save. Like, so it kind of does. I'm not saying that. But here's that, the thing. It's great. If, 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 it was, if it was George, he would not have been trying to stop the situation. No, because he's a pervert. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that line. He's a peeping cat. <laughs> exactly. So things would have been, the ball would have been rolling right quick. Because George would have been like, hey. Right. A girl. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Back to the Future, 1985, I think it was 1985's like highest grossing movie of the year, uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, director of such movies as Forrest Gump, Castaway, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, stars Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly, Christopher Lloyd as Dr. Emmett Brown, Leah Thompson as Lorraine Baines, Crispin Glover as George McFly, and Thomas F. Wilson as Biff Tannen. We're going to do all five of these characters. We're going to get through them. It's going to be very difficult. Um, I want to start off with, and, and here's the thing: like this movie has been around so long and it's been so well documented. Like, I'm not going to get into nitty gritty. There are documentaries of like all the deep dives about mm-hmm. the behind the scenes of the, this movie being made. I do want to talk about Eric Stoltz. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so there's a history of this movie where they wanted Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. He was busy uh, making a sitcom called Family Ties, which was very popular. Um, he, the producer wouldn't let him out of that show because, um, one of their other actresses was out on maternity. So they really needed Michael J. Fox, who at the time was a pretty big star. Yeah. So they needed him to sort of carry that show through that time period. So there was five weeks where Back to the Future filmed with actor Eric Stoltz and it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. And after that time period, Eric Stoltz was replaced by Michael J. Fox and history, you know, the rest is history. The Blu-ray edition of this movie comes with scenes with Eric Stoltz and I try to get my hands on him and watch him. They look so weird and it like it, he's like not even dressed in the same costume. It huh. it just is it just feels he has like darker hair, dark brown hair and Eric Stoltz I think is a natural redhead. It was just it just looks so strange. Interesting. And it's just I just like that bit of trivia about a movie about time traveling, you know, ultimately Marty creates an alternate timeline yeah. in several of these movies. That there is an alternate timeline where this movie stars Eric Stoltz and we all hate it and we're never talking about this. Yeah. That's, uh, so. It's true. In in a parallel universe, nobody cares about this movie. <laughs> you know, and my life would be much better. No. Um, <laughs> I would be an accountant. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. All because of Back to the Future? Yeah. This, this is the movie I remember as a personal story. My dad took me out here to look at colleges and we went on the universal tour and i saw the clock tower and i was just like this is where i this is where i, I can't i can't go to film school in upstate new york like i i I, to... I do love a movie that is so clearly shot on the universal backlot or like the warner brother you know like yeah. anytime you can clearly clearly tell that it is like this is main that, street yeah. usa i love it because that part at the beginning there are certain things about being in la that just crack me up the number of times you can be like 
that's not where they say it is. Yeah. But the scene where the one of the first, well, it's the first, the power of love where he's like riding to to school. school behind a car. They like pull out and I was like, I know where that is in Burbank. And then he turns a corner and it's like, and we're on a back lot. Like <laughs> I love, I love when movies look like that. Yeah, and then um, he rides there's something all the so way special. to Hollywood High, right on Hollywood. Isn't it in Hollywood or is it, uh, where's the high school? The high school is also a real school. Is it Hollywood High? I thought so. but on, then That's on Sunset, maybe it's right? it's in the Valley. Where is the school from? Oh, I did look up tw- Twin Pines Mall. It's some mall in Puente Hills. Mm. Uh, the real Hill Valley High School is actually actually Whittier High School in oh. Whittier. Oh. Hmm. Everybody in Whittier. All right, great. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just, I love the weird artificiality of it. Especially, it's, it's just so much fun. And I think my favorite part of this movie is that the power of love gets top of show credit. <laughs> it's so good. Okay, let's talk about uh, Martin McFly. Uh, do we think that's his full name, or do we think he is Marty? I think he's named. Okay, I should know this. So in Back <laughs> to the Future Three, oh okay, when they go to the Old West, he meets his great grandparents, mm-hmm. and there's a baby named Martin McFly, the first McFly to be born in America, who Marty is named after. So I think oh, his full okay. name is Martin McFly, but as the clip says, people people call him Marty. People call people do not call him Calvin. Um. What do we think about Martin? Marty. Um, Marty kind of sucks. He, th- I have had so many debates about Marty McFly. Um, I always wanted to be Marty McFly. Uh huh. Um, what part of Marty? He's cool as shit. He has a super hot girlfriend. Uh-huh. He plays in a band. He skateboards behind cars. He's he's like a teen rebel. Like he uh-huh. he he seems to have a coolness to him. That young children love. All right, there she is, George. They just go in there and invite her. Okay, but I don't know what to say. Well, just say anything, George. Say, well, whatever's natural. Well, the first thing that comes into your mind. Nothing's coming to my mind. Jesus, George, it was a wonder I was even born. What? What? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Look, tell her destiny brought you together. Tell her that she is the most beautiful girl you've ever seen in the world. Girls like that stuff. What are, you, what are you doing? I'm writing this down. This is good stuff. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. <laughs> okay. From a story structure point point of view, he doesn't change through this movie. No. In fact, his reward, and, and the writer Bob Gale said this years later, his reward at the end of the movie is he gets a big shiny truck. Yes. And I think that uh, that has to change. Especially because it would be a different story if, like, he came back to the future. Ding, ding. And <laughs> and his life was the same, and he just had a completely different appreciation for like yeah. who his parents are. But instead, he comes back, everything is perfect, Biff sucks, he has a new car, great. Like, there's no point in which he has a moment to reflect and be like, hey, you know, like, yeah. our, like there's a reason my parents are the way they are. And yeah. I could be doing a little bit more to just like appreciate them that's really strange because i wrote that exact thing like he has to like it's it's either one of them or both of them like he he really has to have a problem with his dad and then he realizes that like his dad where his dad is coming from and that they're very similar and he should cut his dad a break that the closest this movie gets to is when marty goes to high school he just attends high school now and he tries to get george to talk to lorraine and he finds out his dad used to be a writer and that his dad couldn't handle rejection, and then they, mm-hmm. they share that trait. Um, but it never really deep dives because it really yeah. just tries to get to the action comedy, action adventure of yeah. the time travel. Like the mechanics wackiness. of that are complicated enough. Yeah. Um, but also, there's just like little story things where I'm like, we could have made him a nice guy. I think he's pretty nice. I don't know. He <laughs> checks out other women in front of his girlfriend. I have to tell you, kind of guys, guys do that. Like, no, <laughs> guys, no, guys do that. No, because this poor woman, and she I just like want to say if my girlfriend's listening, because I know she, <laughs> I have never done that. <laughs> I was gonna say, 
<laughs> really, tell me about it. Um, I th- but like this poor woman, he does it right in front of her, and she's like, "Excuse me," but then a second later, she's like, "I love you. Here's my number." I was like, "Friend, you should let this man grow up a little bit." Why don't you go? Yeah, why don't you go? Okay, so here's the thing, because this, I feel like we need to establish this early on. So it's 1985 in the original movie, and he goes back 25 years. 30 years. 30, yes, 30 years. So are we saying that this movie takes place in 2020? And we go back to 1990? Or is it? Yeah, because... Yes, this is a great, great question. Yes. I elected to think about it in terms of it's 2020 and Marty McFly goes back to 1990. Okay. That said, I still think my cast could play it as though it's 1985 and they go back to 1955. Does that make sense? Yes. Like, I, I'm electing to stake, staking this movie in 2020 mm-hmm. and going from there. But I don't, at least in my cast, it... it I could have done both. But. Well, I I think that's the thing is I feel like I left things pretty standard because I was like the movie itself. Like, I feel like I'm just picking people I like to almost exist in the existing movie. Uh-huh. But if it were to be like today, that would be fine, too. Yeah. It just it sort of exists out of time because right. this movie is not really going to get made. Uh <laughs> So thankfully, thank so, so um, okay. So for my Marty, I picked Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. I think he is the sort of like, because here's the thing about Michael J. Fox. There were times where I was like, he is playing this character to death. Like he says lines with so much enthusiasm that it almost feels fake. And I was like, I also don't care. So <laughs> why not pick someone who has that same sort of like who who hopping around kind of energy? There is a great physical comedy that Michael J. Fox has that Tom Holland yeah. shares. Mother, uh, with Marty's parents out of town, don't you think he ought to spend the night? I mean, after all, Dad almost killed him with the car. That's true, Marty. I think maybe you should spend the night. I think you're our responsibility. Well, gee, I don't know. And he can sleep in my room. I gotta go. Uh, I gotta go. Thanks very much. It was wonderful. You were all great. Uh, see you all later. Much later. Michael J. Fox is leaping over cars. He's, like, riding skateboards, um, like, hopping over, you know, you know and stuff. Like, Do you know what it weird, his physicality reminds me of? You've seen The Heavyweights, right? Starring Ben Stiller. Long time ago, yeah. Okay. Well, there's something like, so Vince, if you haven't seen Heavyweights, oh my gosh, are you missing out? But so Ben Stiller plays a like health uh, guru who puts on this sort of like insane physicality of like everything starts with like a kick step and then he's like bounding everywhere and his head is always like this. And I was like, <laughs> that's what it reminded me of is like Ben Stiller is doing that to the max, mm-hmm. but Michael J. Fox is just doing that. Right. Like th- it's funny how like one of them is like over the top comedy and the other is just like real life. Yeah. And they're both, they both have that high like. <laughs> What? You're telling me? You guys should see what you're doing right now. It's so great. (laughs) Can I take a video of you doing this? No, no. Come on. I don't think it's going going to look the same. Um, Um, Yeah, he was on my very short list. I rotated between maybe three actors. Um, I ultimately went with a different choice. Um... Because I'm struggling, I, I struggle. I struggle daily with this. Um, but I know that you like this actor because oh, okay. he, I picked him before. I think we both picked him before for the same movie. Oh, I think I don't remember. I picked Nick Robinson from Love Simon. Oh yeah, I like him a lot. He gives me Marty McFly vibes, but like you said, like it's not as like cartoony. Like yeah. I don't like to besmirch my cinematic hero, but he deserves to be besmirched. Be- for various reasons, but like Marty McFly in this movie kind of reminds me of Vid Kid from the Burger King Kids Club. Or like, I'm sorry, what? Do you not remember the Burger King Kids Club? Yes, but what? Kid, Kid Vid or Vid? Or Kid? no, no, no. Maybe I don't remember. I'm thinking of another weird Burger King thing. Oh yeah, no, this was 
Oh, I don't nope. think it, was before it wasn't your time. before my time. It started before my time. Um, but that's just kind of cartoonish, like super cool. There guy. were like a whole, the, a whole there was group. a club. There were a, a lot of them. And I think you should look this up. I think the kid in the wheelchair was called Wheels. Yep. Kid Vid, IQ, Lingo, Jaws, Snaps, Wheels, and Boomer. Yeah. And their dog's name was JD. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, like, the kid in the wheelchair looks, yeah. He looks like Marty McFly. It's like if Kid Vid and Wheels merged together, that's kind of the... That's kind of how they made Martin. I'm obsessed with these characters. Oh, speaking of Back to the Future had a cartoon show, which I remember being okay, but I really don't remember it. Um, but that's who I picked. I picked Nick Robinson because I think he's a very talented actor. Um, he probably, I think he could play humor well, um, but he often, I don't know. I, I just I just thought that he would be a little more real as a human if we're doing the thing where Marty has to have some issue with his parents and like learns to appreciate them at the yeah. end. Like that's where you need like a little more like acting. Cause don't get me wrong, I considered my boy Cole for this right I, away. I know you did. And then I had to back up. I was like, he's not, he's... this isn't my like masturbation fantasy of like who oh my gosh. <laughs> Very graphic. <laughs> This is like, no, I have to remake this movie. And I think Nick Robinson in my head is someone who, because I, I think Tom Holland is a, is so famous now. Yeah. That I was like, I think Nick, he can occupy this space without being like, oh, they just made Spider-Man fucking Marty McFly. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You always run into that with like super famous people. But I wonder, I love, I love Nick Robinson. I think he's great. I especially I mean, he's done a lot of stuff Jurassic World but like Love, Simon is such a cute like accessible teen he movie great he's great in it I watched it I was like man he's so good at this yeah and so it's it's a little like I feel like there's and we I know we've talked about this before but there is a whole like school of guys who are in the Nick Robinson like we're talking the Logan Learners, the um, Dylan, Dylan Minnettes, the Dylan O'Brien. Like that, I'm like these ki- these guys are great, but you don't see them nearly as much as you could. And for that reason, it would be exciting to like skyrocket one of them to like Back to the Future status. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, here's the thing: do we do we think there's a fix to Marty? Like, do we think? considering like we I mean we've been talking about it a lot the fact that he doesn't really change is there a version I mean we're talking about maybe there being something with his dad but like even at the end of the movie I don't really see how that works with the fact that he's literally handed the a better life like is there a way to fix it or do we just let it exist and kind of be like okay well time travel is the biggest part of this movie that's it I think I think the reward of because I think there's a paradox here. Like, Marty goes back in time and makes his parents better, mm-hmm. but they don't make him better. Yeah. So when he goes back, like, George is confident. Lorraine, you know, has her shit together. She's, like, physically in better health. The The house is in better shape. They're, like, wealthier because George followed his dream and is successful at it. I'm just sort of – I think that that – you can keep elements of that, mm-hmm. like – it's fun to see what the new world looks like. But if you don't have Marty also, like, as soon as he comes back and, like, hug his mom and dad, like, it, yeah. it feels like it's just material. Mom. Dad. What, Marty, did you hit your head? You guys, you guys look great. Mom, you, you look so thin. Well, thank you, Marty. George. Oh, Marty, I almost forgot Jennifer Parker called. Oh, I sure like her, Marty. She is such a sweet girl. There is a moment at the end where George hands him the book, and he's like, what do I always tell you? If you put your mind to anything, you can accomplish. If you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Yeah. But it's it's just it just dips well, under the surface. It doesn't really like d- dive into Marty's soul, being like, is "Did re- you teach me that, or did I teach you that?" Right. Is the redemption more with Doc Brown? The fact that like he he wants to save his friend, and so he tries to do it, and then he like leaves 1955, thinking he's not going to read it. Like it, the night's going to end the same way. Like I guess not. And then. It turns out he, 
But like, is there redemption for him in no, that? No, it's just he succeeds because he's cool and Marty McFly. Do you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. nothing goes this, wrong. I thought about this so much. And again, I still will fucking <laughs> fight someone to the death about this movie. I, it's my, I love it. But mm-hmm. he never changes, which is why in the sequels, which I don't know if you've seen or not. I haven't seen this. They're great, but like they give Marty McFly a weakness Mm -hmm. so they can turn him emotionally through the two movies that doesn't exist in this one. And it's very strange. Well, I wonder if it's this like if it would be interesting, more interesting if like at some point in our opening scene, we get that like Marty is really cool in some circles or like Marty needs almost needs a biff. He has a biff in the sequels, played by Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. What? Just watch two and three. It's they're they're crazy, and I love them just as much as this. But wow, yeah. But I see what you're saying. Like, okay, well, anyways, it's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> Let's move to Doctor Emmett Brown, played by Christopher Lloyd. Who ah, this 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 was very difficult. I spent so many days switching out actors and, and actresses. I try. I fit. Days. So many people in and literally at the zero hour, maybe not today, but this was a couple days ago, a friend of mine mentioned this actor and like a bolt of lightning, like a bolt of lightning. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to cast them. <laughs> I have a question about the nature of uh, Doc and Marty's relationship. So does everyone else. And it's never explained. And the more you think about it, well, the weirder it is. Here's my question. Are they friends in 1985? Yes. Because... <laughs> Do you know what I'm about to say? No. Because they're in a relationship? No, I don't know. Because they met in 1955. Oh. Like, are they friends? Like, Marty doesn't know it when he meets Doc, oh, but are they friends because they knew each other in 1955? Doc knows and that Doc connects alive. with him maybe. later in his life. I've never actually thought about that. Yeah, maybe. I thought you were going to say, like, what business does Marty have going over to Doc's house? Well, I just want because he doesn't seem it would be different if it was he was like a science nerd or something like that. Or like Doc is a teacher at the school. Yeah. But instead, it's just like he's going to this older man's house in the morning to check on it. Garage. It's a garage. And play his guitar. Like, yeah, I I don't I don't understand. But it's also the magic of movies where you're just like, yeah, they're friends. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a kid who has a mad scientist best friend. This man is like, meet me in a parking lot at 115. And Marty's like, okay, no, no questions asked. Video camera. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on my way. Um, (laughs) This was very hard because. Doc is really the mold for a mad scientist, and if you go too far one way with him, he eventually kind of becomes Rick from Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. Um, So you still need to make Doc insane but likable. Let's see now. You come here from a great distance? Yeah, exactly. Don't tell me. Uh, You want me to buy a subscription to the Saturday Evening Post? No. Not a word. Not a word. Not a word now. Donations. You want me to make a donation to the Coast Guard... Youth Auxiliary. Doc. I'm from the future. I came here in a time machine that you invented. Now I need your help to get back to the year 1985. Do you know what this means? It means that this damn thing doesn't work at all. I picked John Turturro. Okay. Okay. This is not bad. It's, it's surprising. It's crazy. But it's not bad. Because here's why I refuse, like, I picked a bunch of the younger actors, mm-hmm. younger comedic actors that I was like, oh, maybe they could do it. Because in my head, I was like, I don't want to see a digitally de-aged character for a majority of this movie. Mm-hmm. But there is a insane character acting power that John Turturro has Mm -hmm. where he can play like the erratic like when we meet Doc Brown that is our when we meet him in 1955 that is such a great introduction into the world of this man who just like wants to be an inventor and he's making all these stupid gadgets that don't work then Marty takes him to the time machine and proves to him that like the thing he drew in 1955 is now in existence and it's here in this DeLorean Mm -hmm. and he like 
cracks. Like he becomes like a different doc. He's like, oh my God, like I built something. I did yeah. it. Like this whole time, it took me forever. And he, at that point, he kind of becomes doc from 1985 and 1955. That's my pick. I'm actually very proud of this pick because it is it's so unique. weird. Yeah. It's, it, it's not, it's not so crazy. It wor- It works. It does. It does. <laughs> Um, I went very, I went very, you, you say, do I know how to talk? I don't know. You say you don't want to see a digitally de-aged character for half this movie. I do. Oh, okay. Um, mostly. Einstein's the, uh, Einstein's the scientist now and he talks. Um, oh wow. What a, what an interesting movie that would be. But like. I went very typical, I feel like, like this casting makes sense and we would see, which, okay, so I picked Jim Carrey. Holy shit. So (laughs) the fun of that is that we know Jim Carrey from 30 years ago. And so digitally de-aging him I think would be a lot of fun to like visit to like visit a young man we once knew but like yeah would he perform like Jim Carrey 30 years ago would he be like the mask Jim Carrey like Ace Ventura Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey now is like very like he's like a he's like a thespian now Uh, are you he's playing Dr. Robotnik (laughs) oh and Sonic I forgot no, Brian. He's oh, but, fine. You know, like kidding, and then like Eternal Sunshine. Like yeah, but like I think I think he would. I think it would be fun to be like you're just you're doing you. You're doing you at your wildest because it's Doc Brown. That's funny. And and the thing is, he has a good energy. And as wacky as Christopher Lloyd is, I think Jim Carrey would be different. Mm, yeah. And it's it would be different, but it would be cool. I just see. I just I him on the clock tower. Making like all the facial expressions when when the, the, the whole bit with the cable like, or anytime like a fire ignites, Christopher Lord's <laughs> face just morphs into like, this, like we like, just oh, watched this, but it's so funny how when he's like, I have a girl in 1985, he's like, is she pretty? <laughs> Which is why you have to watch three because Doc falls in love. Okay. Oh, that's exciting. Mary Steenburgen. Um, oh, we love to see it. Okay, let's talk about Lorraine Baines, played by Leah Thompson, who had a joy making this movie, um, famously saying that like she came out here and like a manager was like, you're going to play three things, a mother, a virgin, or a whore. And then she was like, well, what? with Lorraine, I kind of play all three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she said, Marty, I'm almost 18 years old. It's not like I've never been parking before. <laughs> Could you imagine if I you love, met your parents and they talked about I sexual life in front of you? I love old-fashioned, like, old-fashioned scandalous things. I love using the word necking. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I think it's so much like, fun. you smoke, too? Like, you sound like my she mother. sounds like my mother. Aw, she's, like, drinking and he's like, trust me, you don't want to drink. I was like, that's sad. Yeah. Oh well, well we don't dive into that territory. <laughs> he just he just uh, glazes right over his family issues. Here's the thing about Lorraine. Um, I think this version of Lorraine is played up for uh, like a very sex craze, alcoholic team for comedy. Um, but I kept just trying to think like, how do we find a Lorraine with a little more depth than like horny teen who accidentally falls in love with her son? I feel like it's. Almost equally as difficult as like, how do we give Marty more of a more of a heart? Well, I almost because here's the thing: she is manhandled by Biff, who literally at one point in this movie is like, "You don't know you want it yet because you haven't got it from me." Oh my gosh, Biff it is the worst. Kills me. You gotta watch two and three. <laughs> Gets worse. Do you know anything about part two? No. There's a version of Biff. That was based on Donald Trump. For real? For real? For real. And it's scary. <gasps> like, rewatching it, you're like, oh, no, this is weird. And the writer, Bob Gale, was like, yeah, I just, I, I, I thought of the biggest bully I could think of. And it was Donald wow. Trump. And this was back in 1987. I mean, 
It's weird. By all accounts, it has never been different. So Biff, like, is such a meta character to me now. Like, watching his whole sort of family history through these three movies. But I wonder if it would be more interesting for her to... Because it sort of maybe is more interesting if she just wants to be more, like... She just wants a safe kind of relationship. Like, yeah, like, she's a teenage girl. She wants a guy. Mm -hmm. But, like... Maybe it's the sort of thing where she's had like a really scary experience with someone like Biff. And it's not just this thing of like, ugh, get off me. Like, ugh, I hate you. There's because when she's with him, there are scenes where in her eyes, it's like, help me, please. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, what if we expound on that a little more? And it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, no, he is the real deal. And I he should never touch me again. And then it's a thing of her kind of being like. Maybe I can take care of myself in certain ways. Mm, that's interesting. Which I don't know how that works into the whole punching business. Yeah. But Well, who'd you pick? Um, so I picked Haley Lou Richardson. Oh, I love her. Whom I love. Yeah. I think she's super funny and cute. Like she's just an extremely capable actress. Yeah. Who can do the meta-ness of the part of, like, you see her as an older version of herself and then versus the younger, like, I I just imagine it being fun in both instances. Mm. Lorraine, Lorraine, what are you doing? I swiped it from the old lady's liquor cabinet. Yeah, well, you shouldn't drink. Why not? Because you you might regret it later in life. Don't be such a square. Everybody who's anybody drinks. Jeez, you smoke too? Part of your beginning sound just like my mother. What did I watch her in recently? Five feet apart. Five feet apart. Oh, my boy. (laughs) Do you think it's cute? What? Did you not see the trailer? Oh, you think it's cute? She's like, you think it's cute? And he goes, do you think it's cute? He said that about him. Yeah, that line landed in the theater. Audible gasps from the women in that theater. Audible, like, oh, like, oh boy. I was like, man, wow, the power he has. Yeah, it's crazy. I bought I bought stock in Cole Sprouse very early. Yeah, Um, I love that pick. What else did I see? I finally saw um, Edge of Seventeen. I love Edge of Seventeen. I also really liked. um, Yeah, she has a real like. She's great. She's like charming and like Mm -hmm. bubbly and and kind of. I'm I'm now I'm getting so confused. Like, am I imagining her as Lorraine 1955 or am I imagining her Lorraine 1990? Because my pick, I really went for the 90s kind of. Okay. I was I just sort of really got in this zone of like, what if Lorraine was sort of like Busy Phillips from Freaks and Geeks or like. Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks. Like, she's more like a down-to-earth kind of... She's less like a popular princess. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give me a scowl, but let me I've tell you I've never seen Freaks and Geeks. <gasps> oh, sorry. Um, it's only one season, unfortunately. Um, and all these <laughs> famous people are in it. Like, James Franco and Seth Rogen. Um, Great. My favorite famous people. Two most famous actors in the world. <laughs> um, I ended up with uh, going with an actress call, called... I always say actors or actresses called and never... <laughs> like they're not real people. They're not real people. <laughs> We've given them these names. I, I went with um, an actress named Molly Gordon who appeared in Booksmart. And she played the... Um, she played the girl that the other girls kept making fun of. Oh, yeah. Being like slutty. Triple something. It's like triple A or triple T or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember her. I remember watching her and just being like, I'm going to save this woman for a very special occasion because I thought she played like a teenager very well. And I kept Mm -hmm. getting hung up on like, I could have picked like a a young starlet like Zoe Deutsch or uh, Haley Steinfeld, but I don't think I would believe them in the old people makeup. Yeah. And I thought that this girl, who's only 24, um, really had, like, a lot of, like, this is so weird to say about something I don't know, but, like, she had a lot of, like, wisdom in her eyes. Like, it seems like she's lived a lot of life mm-hmm. so that whether she's 17 or 47, it won't, it didn't seem like it was so, it would be so jarring for me. Um, yeah. I don't know what else she's in. So if you haven't seen Booksmart, I don't know if you're going to remember this woman, but that scene in the car where she's, like... You know, everyone makes fun of me for this, but, like, I never thought I'd get it worse from the girls. I was like, man, she, oh, 
that that got me. Um, so that's who I picked. That's great. No, I agree. I think there's something really well. That's the point of her character in Booksmart is that the, everyone's making fun of her because she's like the quote unquote slut, <clears throat> but like when she is the one who like offers to give uh, Beanie Feldstein a ride like home. And they're actually having a conversation. There is something about her where you're like, oh, right. Like, because nobody is what you think they are. If you don't know them, then you don't know them. Like she she was telling her like like she's going to college at a great place, too. And she has all these plans. And like she's not who people think she is as just a high schooler. And Mm -hmm. you're like, oh, right. People have depth. (laughs) Michael Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Stick that in your pipe, Michael Bay. Um, Okay, let's move on to George McFly, played by uh, Hollywood notorious actor Crispin Glover. I was watching some – the the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future came out, and I was like, oh, I'll watch some of these interviews. And Mm -hmm. uh, Good Morning America went into (laughs) describing all the cast. They're like – the rising star, Michael J. Fox, the team pop idol, Leah Thompson, claimed character actor, Christopher Lloyd. And then it just like kind of long paused and they were like, and the eccentric Crispin Glover. And I was like, Ugh. whoops. Whoopsie. Yeah, it's it's weird to watch him now. Um, But he's so perfect. The energy he's bringing to this character is wildly specific. So good. But it's incredible. Like the first the first time we see him as like older him and he's just so palpably nervous that you're like sitting there kind of cringing because you're like geez like grow a little bit of a backbone this seems impossible that you're this way kind of energy like he's He's really really great great in it i know what you're gonna say son and you're right (laughs) you're right but uh if just happens to be my supervisor and i'm afraid i'm just not very good at confrontations the car, Dad. I mean, he wrecked it. He totaled it. I needed that car in a war night, Dad. I mean, do you have any idea how important this was to me? Do you have any clue? I know, and all I can say is I'm... I'm sorry. I flip-flop between two actors for this. And I'm going to say the first one, and if you don't react the way I want, I'm just going to say the other one and just pretend that I chose that guy. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna react weirdly. I'm ready. I wanted to pick a, a, a young actor who I think is phenomenal, who can bring these kind of eccentricities to to um, George in a less like creepy way and maybe a more like artistic, nervous way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's played like really young, like powerful teenage characters before. And I was just like, this is my favorite movie. I'm gonna pick an actor who I think I I think is gonna go. To the moon, um, I picked Lucas Hedges from Honey Boy and uh, interesting. Manchester by the Sea. Okay. Now I got an interesting, which I know is a tepid <laughs> acceptance. <laughs> he, I'm just, I'm trying to imagine the He's new. He's like gangly. The like, new George. All right. I'm going to say my second no, choice. No, don't. A better choice. No, no, no. Dis- p- make your decision. That was who I picked. I, it, it, it's, it's different. It's yeah. not going to be the George we know. No, but I, I but, love watching him. Mm-hmm. He's so good. Fuck, he's good. I just recently watched Lady Bird, and he's not in that movie a lot, but I don't know. I just I just really like watching him and Yeah, he, Yeah. I like watching him act. He's great. So I, again... I stuck with I stuck with what I knew, especially because I really like this actor and he's a little bit older, but I thought of him because he's still. Yes, Yes. (laughs) he's still playing. It's going to happen. You're going to pick my number two and then I get to talk about it just as I planned. Um, He's a little bit older, but he's playing a high schooler in. Let me talk, Brian. Okay, all right. right. Um, Because you don't know what I'm going to say. He's playing a high schooler in a Netflix series, and I think I just still see him with this very, like, young, nervous, 
kind of awkward energy, but something that's really endearing to watch and not like creepy. Mm-hmm. I picked Kier Gilchrist. Who is that? <laughs> Kill? Kier. Kier. K-E-I-R. Oh, yes. Um, Atypical. Yes. If you're if you happen to be watching Atypical, I don't know who is, but I'm still watching it. And I think it's really cute. It follows. Yeah. But he's also in It Follows. Yeah. This is a great pick. I, I want to watch more of this guy. What's funny is that like when you when I look at an actor who I don't really know and I go in there like Google images, mm-hmm. it's so funny to see that like. Someone's manager is like, we need to get some really tough looking photos of you and like shoot them to the top of the Google search. Because then like as you slowly go down, then it's all the awkward gangly bowl cut photos of like the movies. Oh, that, I wouldn't because I'm on his IMDb. What does it look like when you just Google? That's so funny. <laughs> Tough pictures of you. Right? Like Finn Wolf. What's his name Finn, from Stranger Things? Finn. Wolfhard. Wolfhard. It's like almost the same exact thing. Like all of the kids from Stranger Things, it's like their managers are like, hey, we got to take some real like tough photos so that you we cast you as older but what's like interesting children. is like you see pictures of him and you're like, you could play much older, but like you do play younger. You skew younger. Yeah, so yeah. why not still play high school kids? That's still pretty young. That's great. Is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, um, yeah, that's okay. who I picked. Great. Uh, let's move on to Biff. Played by Thomas F. Wilson. Classic bully. Yeah. Classic bully. Um, I didn't have a lot to go on here. Um, because the bully character who is just a bully is the most two-dimensional thing yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it really seems that, like, when you watch this whole trilogy, that Biff is really there to just be a pain in the ass of these two characters. Like, mm-hmm. He he's like a ta- he's like the town the son of the townie that never leaves so like the the cycle of pain has been there for generations. Yeah. So, but they never explore that. They never really explore why he's the way he is. And ultimately do we care? Maybe in 2020 we do. I mean, he's and the thing is he's good for what he's doing. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. he you're intimidated, you're like concerned. It's not a performance note. It's just like Yeah, like where how do we how do we mold this for today? It, it would yeah. be so much more nuanced, but I don't know what that nuance would be. Like for any of these characters, like is George still a peeping tom? No. <laughs> like even though that moment is funny in 1985, like yeah. you would have to figure out. Like, is it funny way. in any time, Brian? I think what I'm what I laugh at is Marty's reaction to his own father being a creep. That's what I'm I'm not saying that George is in the right. I'm just saying that Marty (laughs) watching his dad do this is so funny to me. But okay, it is concerning. Whose turn is it? My turn. It's your turn. So for my Biff, I maybe cast a, a little against character, but I the thing about Biff is he's so there are moments where he's so overly over the top comedic about like how he's doing things that it's just like yeah put this in the hands of a good actor and it's gonna be funny i can't believe you loaned me a car without telling me it had a blind spot spot. i could have been killed biff um can i can i assume that your uh insurance is gonna pay for the damage my insurance it's your car your insurance should pay for it i want to know who's gonna pay for this I spilled beer all over when that car smashed into me. Who's going to pay my cleaning bill? So I picked Lucas Hedges. Whoa! <laughs> that would have been real easy if I just slid him over and then picked someone else for George. Pick my number two for George. Yep, but we'll never know. We'll never know. Nicholas Braun. Stop! <laughs> See, here's the thing. I really wanted to make, because I loved the Cousin Greg energy, but he's like 32, he's 32. and I really didn't know how. I was like, I feel like he can almost do it, but... Are we pushing it? Yeah. Um, I. That's see, funny. That's funny that you picked him. Yeah. I that just, makes sense. I like, I like the idea of him being a bully for some reason. Hmm. 
I like I and I don't about it I don't a little bit like it's he, it's just like a feeling where I'm like he would be good at this yeah and I can't quite place why other than he's a good actor I didn't see mid 90s but the trailer of mid 90s when he's just like bullying his younger brother I'm like man that guy fucking sucks but again I'm I love Lucas Hedges as an actor and there's a little boy a little bit of that like honey boy energy where he's like he is playing the most like like uh self assured guy yeah. breaking down kind of thing of like you see a little bit of that of like he can do it yes it's just not usually where he's placed right i keep thinking like lucas hedges playing a proto donald trump in number two would be also funny but would it be <laughs> donald trump or would it be someone else that we currently hate, are... like ben shapiro or <laughs> like stephen miller I don't know the context of the character, but maybe it would be like a like, like a, an Elon Musk. Yes. Yeah. Or a, another like tech bro gross character. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Who'd you pick? Um, this one probably the least satisfied on this. Not because okay. of who I picked, but just he uh he's 27. Okay. <laughs> he looks like he's 38. What? I picked Alexander Ludwig from Vikings, who has done a okay. lot of comedy. He was in The Last Girl, like the horror comedy mm-hmm. movie. He was in Hunger Games. He just has like a big, he's like a big presence. guy, yeah. But he kind of, and the I I don't watch Vikings, but <clears throat> I saw the last, the Last Girls. But he, this is another Google image search where it's like he goes from like boyish young teen heartthrob to just like a Charlie Hunnam rugged kind of dude and mm-hmm. and. I guess part of me was like, these actors will have to play older versions of themselves. So yeah. like maybe maybe that's a benefit and maybe that's a feature and not a bug. Um but I just I was just like, you know what, I'm not gonna think too hard about Biff. Like he's just an asshole. Like he's just a, a, a like disgusting asshole who, you know, made Marty's dad who made George's life miserable all through high school and then like works for Biff, which is crazy. But um yeah, I just wanted to pick someone that was a little more just, you know, a physical, brutey, brute, yeah. brute-y, um villain. I also kind of love the idea of the the bully almost being too old to be in high school. So it's like, <laughs> like why are you back. here? Yeah, that's a great He's point. like 35. Thank you for um, thank you for litigating the choice <laughs> for me. We all know those people who are still hanging around high school. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get to, let's get to the big big moment of this recast. Where does Barry Pepper go? I made him Mr. Strickland. I had him as Mr. Strickland. And then you made him Lorraine's dad. It was. It's really between those two. Yeah, I just love the idea of like he rolls in the TV. He's like, all right, now we can watch Jackie Gleason while we eat. And then you're like, that's fucking Barry Pepper. <laughs> Isn't that the, that's the whole point. That's the whole point. I wanted him to be Marty McFly's grandfather. Oh, okay. I wanted to, I wanted that in canon. (laughs) Back to the Future canon. Barry Pepper is Marty McFly's. Like Mr. Strickland, let me ask you this. As Mr. Strickland, would you make Barry Pepper shave his head? No, I mean, it's a fairly small joke to be like, has he never had hair? But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Little notes here. Um, Christopher Lloyd stated that he always wanted to do one more movie in which Marty and Doc Brown time travel back to ancient Rome. Huh. Don't know how that would work. Um, Oh, I want to shout out Claudia Wells, who plays the original um, Jennifer, who was replaced by Elizabeth Shue in the sequels. Oh, really? Uh, Claudia Wells... Uh, gave up her role when her mother got sick and basically like retired from acting. Aww. Um, so shout out to Claudia. She was my favorite. She's my one and only Jennifer. I don't care. I don't care what you say. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so aggro about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't understand I just think either. I just thought she was prettier. Oh, interesting. That's what I, yeah. Well, I've never seen the. The sequels? The sequels, so I don't know. The last and most important piece of trivia. Okay. Tell me. Billy Zane is in this movie. Yes. This is his first movie. Really? I believe it is. Have you watched the, um, speaking of Billy Zane, have you watched the movies that made us on 
Netflix? I haven't yet. Someone was talking about how the Ghostbusters episode is particularly crazy, like crazy. how that movie got even made. That was the one I didn't watch because I. TV... You're done with Ghostbusters. <laughs> You're like over it. TBH. I just don't care that much about the original Ghostbusters. But the Dirty Dancing episode is really interesting because they talk about their other casting choices, and it was down to like doing chemistry reads between Billy Zane and Patrick Swayze. Really? And so they have footage of him like dancing with Jennifer Grey, and it is terrible. Oh, no. It's just because he can't dance, or they just... Uh... because he can't dance. It's not like... He, well, also, I think they show like a little, uh, like a, sm- a short line reading, and it's not great. Yeah. But it's just, it's so good. If you... The Movies That Made Us is an interesting series. I've watched yeah. all of them except for Ghostbusters, and they're all super fascinating. Um, but yeah, watch it if only for the small section where you get to see Billy Zane. Billy Zane and Dirty Dancing. Cutting a rug. Billy, Billy Zane and Dirty Dancing, Eric Stoltz and Back to the Future. In another world. The 80s would not have been the same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, would you remake this movie? No. No, thank you. Nope. Let's Let's keep it where it is. In 1985, safe See, and sound. In I kind of, I kind of wish because here's the thing, we're we're finally doing your favorite movie. You would say this is your favorite movie of all the movies mm-hmm. in the world. Yeah. Um, I kind of wish all of my favorite movies hadn't already been remade. So it's Halloween. This is insane. Dirty Dancing. This is insane. But my top, if I had to pick a top three, it would be Footloose, already been remade. Mm-hmm. Then probably uh, mm, then two and three is sort of Halloween been redone a trillion times and the mummy already been redone. Yeah, that's see, that's why I'm so precious about this. It's like, yeah, for the creators to come on and say this will never happen is so I feel so safe. I feel yeah, like it's being protected. That mom and that dad and dad are here and they're going to they're going to make sure everything's fine. Yeah. Because it's like I just I just feel I just feel so many executives and so many actors and so many writers trying to squirm their way in to do something that we're all gonna hate. It's just it's oh, oof. so yeah. I'm right there with you. No no thank you. Um, but we'll find a favorite movie for you and I don't know. I mean, we should just redo Footloose because the remake didn't have any famous people in it. <laughs> Miles Teller was the most famous person in it. I mean, he's famous now, but not... But he wasn't then. All right. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Rebooted. Uh, if you like this episode, please tell your friends and please rate and subscribe on all sorts of platforms. Kenna, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. You can also now find us on Kofi. That's K-O-F-I. In case you're ever curious about why we say it like that where you can go to make a very small donation to help us keep making this fine podcast. That link is in our description and all over Twitter. Speaking of Twitter, you can now find us at RebootedPod on Twitter and Instagram. Everything's the same now, so there's no excuse. We convert trash to nuclear energy. That's how great we are now. Yeah. You can find plutonium. (laughs) It's 2020. You can find plutonium on every supermarket shelf. All right, guys. uh, We'll see you next time. Bye. Up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. <laughs>